good day and welcome from wherever you are to another edition of the X's and O's with Greg Cosell and Doug Farrar. I am Doug Farrar of Touchdown Wire on the USA Today Sports Media Group. And the guy over there is Greg Cosell in the blue shirt of uh, NFL Films and ESPN's NFL Matchup. And Greg, we have done three episodes of the schemes that have taken over the NFL. Uh, Cool stuff there. I want to move a little bit in a different direction this week and kind of put our player personnel hats on. I want to see if we can build the perfect secondary for the modern <laughs> NFL in uh, 30 minutes or less. So go. Um, <laughs> I want to start with, you know, it's interesting how. Where's Lee Majors when you need him, you know? I, exactly. Uh, yeah. And no one's going to get that joke either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to me how, it, and maybe it's just me, teams seem to have more of a schematic identity on defense. Like the Steelers of the 70s played cover two, and the Raiders of the 60s and 80s, you know, they were always bump and run. And the Seahawks of the early 2010s, it was cover three or bust. And now it seems like the identity on in, in coverage is to have no identity at all. You want to be able to do everything. You sort of have to be able to do everything if you want to contest passing games in 2022 to 2023 and moving forward. Um, yeah, and I think that's one reason, and we've discussed this to some degree, but it's it actually is a good starting point. I think it's one reason why the Vic Fangio mold has taken hold because everybody starts with that sort of quarter shell uh, four across, and as you know, Doug, from that look, you can go anywhere. So the goal is really to make the quarterback have to decipher the coverage after the snap of the ball. The more the quarterback can do before the snap of the ball, the greater advantages to the offense. The more that he has to do after the snap of the ball, the advantage goes to the defense. And with a quarter's look, as you know, your safeties can do anything at that point. Or, and your corners essentially can do anything at that point. There's no real tell from a quarter's look. And I think that's one reason why that particular look, which people, of course, uh, attribute to Vic Fangio, is although he did not found quarters, by the way, uh, the individual, uh, the defensive coach who's considered to be the founder of quarters coverage is Rod Rust. Uh, but it's it's a it becomes more and more difficult because one of the things you're hoping to do as an offense is you're trying to give your quarterback as much information before the snap as possible because if, if that's the case it makes it easier for him to execute your your passing game. Uh, the, the more that the defense can take that away, the better it is for the defense. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, the Super Bowl in which the Patriots beat the Rams a few years back. And Devin McCourty said after the game that there was a point at which Sean McVay's instructions to Jared Goff went off in his in his headset and he couldn't listen to McVay anymore. And that's when they would spin the coverage. Not That's not an indictment of Jared Goff per se, but it, it was really the first time I noticed that teams were doing more of that. You know, the, the post-snap confusion and changing the picture and all that. And I'll give you a few numbers real quick. Uh, Going back to 2017 for Sports Info Solutions, much, much, much more cover one than there is now. Uh, In 2017, teams played just teams played uh, a little over a thousand snaps in quarters, 1084 last year, 3008. So it's it's trebled in volume, Um, and there's definitely something to that. You know, the the pre-snap sort of anonymous look, and then it becomes what it is. Um, I wanted to get your impressions real quick. So we're talking about, you know, the ideal secondary, so cornerback, slot defender, and safety. In a nutshell, in today's NFL, you know, taking the traits of the past, you know, 
out unless they apply to today. What does an ideal modern cornerback have to do? Well, I think you would start with the idea that he has to be able to play man coverage. If he cannot play man coverage, uh, he cannot really play corner at a high level in the National Football League. Now, there's multiple ways to play man. It doesn't always have to be press. You can play off man as well. But I think with the increase, and, and you and I have discussed this uh, over the last month or so, with the increase in quick game and the increase in RPOs, which is essentially another form of quick game, it just has an added element to it. Uh, I think that the the need to play press has increased in the league uh, because we discussed the fact that with quick game, the ball comes out of the quarterback's hand in anywhere between 1.5 and 1.7 seconds from the time of the snap, and the pass rush is not going to get there. So therefore, you're not going to impact the quarterback, so you need to impact receivers. Um, so the ability to play press man does become really, really important for corners in today's NFL. Um, and again, we've also discussed this, but that's why offenses, and, and this is what I love about football, Doug, and I know you do too. It's such a chess match. It's one reason why you're also seeing an increase in motion in the National Football League from an offensive standpoint, because motion very often minimizes press coverage more often than not. Um, but if you're speaking solely from the cornerback position, you need to be able to press. But now you can take that a step further. Uh, one of the things we see a lot of in the NFL, you may you may even have these numbers. I don't know if you have them handy, um, but you see a lot of what we call three by one sets, mm -hmm. meaning there's three receivers to one side and a single receiver to the short side of the field, what we call the boundary. Um, and more often than not, that receiver is a wide receiver. We call him the boundary X. Um, you need a corner that can match up to the boundary X receiver man to man with theoretically no help. Um, now, that doesn't happen like that 100% of the time, nothing does, but essentially there'll be situations where that corner is playing man coverage, no help, essentially cover zero. Um, because the safeties have to shift to the three side. Yes, depending on the specific nature of the coverage, but that can often be the case. Um, so, you know, you need a corner who can line up to the boundary, the short side of the field, and match up man-to-man -to, -man to quality boundary X receivers. You know, whoever that may be, the Jamar Chases of the world, the Justin Jeffersons of the world. You know, I'm picking, obviously, high-quality wide receivers, but, hey, those are the guys you have to match up to. And one guy who kills you as an ISO is Travis Kelsey, so it doesn't even have to be a receiver. Right, and he's a tight end, which we won't get into now. That raises a whole other set of issues. Uh, with slot defenders, and I remember, I, I'm sure I've told you the story before, I was talking, I was watching tape with Richard Sherman in 2015, and I asked him why slot is harder than outside uh, in some ways, and he said, because the boundary is no longer your friend. Now it's, you know, it's this way and that. Right. Uh, and even 20 years ago, you know, teams would play nickel. Tom Landry was playing nickel in the 70s. Um, but it wasn't like you had a designated slot defender who was playing 80% no. of your snaps, and now you do. Now you, I mean, you don't have to but you sort of have to. So yeah. when we look at slot defenders, what are the sort of the traits you need to have to fit in this ideal secondary we're building? Yeah, slot defenders are an interesting breed, Doug, because they can come in all shapes and sizes. They can be small, like a Mike Hilton, who I think is one of the best slot defenders in the league. Yep. Um, they can be bigger. You know, it depends on, on what you want, but you have to think of it this way. In today's NFL, 
Um, and I know the numbers might be going down just a little bit, but teams still the majority of the time line up in 11 personnel, meaning one mm-hmm. back, one tight end, and three wide receivers. Um, my guess is that number is probably 57, 58, 60%. Um, a lot of people automatically assume it's 80%. It's not that high. There are some teams that are at that. Certainly the Cincinnati Bengals are at that level. The Rams are normally at that level. But it's not 80% league-wide. But the point is it's the majority of snaps. So that means teams are playing out of 11 personnel on offense um, on first down, on second and three, you know, on 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 what we consider normal down and distance situations. Not the Eagles are running, and you know this because you're close to Philadelphia, the Eagles are doing power running out of 11 personnel on of first course. down. Of course. Right. And so, so the point is, is that – they're in normal down and distance situations where the run game is part of the offense. It's not just a third and long situation. Um, so your slot defender, and I don't know how many people think of it this way, but your slot defender is not just a pass defender, by the way. Your slot defender has to be able to defend the run because there are a lot of teams that run to the slot defender because they know he's not as good a run defender as if they were to run to the other side where you have you know, theoretically bigger bodies. Um, So he has to be able to defend the run. And he also has to be able to be part of pressure schemes. How often do we see slot defenders in today's NFL be be blitzers? So not only do you have to play both man coverage, which creates its own set of issues, because now, as Richard Sherman clearly said to you, he has to defend receivers that have a two-way go. He can't just push someone to the sideline. They have a two-way go. They can work inside, they can work outside, and there's room for them to do both. So he has to be able to defend that. Then, of course, of course, he has to play underneath zone coverage, which is different than playing underneath zone coverage if you're an outside corner. There's different rules because zones all have rules. So there's different rules that slot defenders have to understand and execute. But as I said, they still they have to be able to defend the run, and they have to be able to blitz. These are part of defenses, and it's just built into being a slot defender. It's a really difficult position. And one thing that, again, you know, I don't work for a team, and uh, I have a lot of conversations as you do. I, I, I've never quite understood why slot defender isn't viewed when it comes to the draft, when it comes to just the general overall worldview of putting a defense together why it's not it doesn't seem to be viewed as a really important position except when you're playing the games yeah (laughs) it's a really important position i mean that that probably goes back to the biases of the past where if you're too small and too slow to play outside we'll just throw you in the slot and see what happens i don't know um but yeah it should it should be i mean for certain teams like if you're the bills you're playing 90 percent nickel then your slot defender yeah they lead the league in playing nickel you know the last number of years with teron uh johnson who's a very good slot corner and he can play the run uh, really really well um they have not been a heavy blitz team the last couple of years that may change now that sean mcdermott's running the defense um because leslie frazier was not a big blitz uh d coordinator but we'll see we'll see how that plays out if if that stays the same or not but johnson's was a really good run defender um even someone i mentioned mike hilton small but very feisty very competitive very aggressive um, you know, it, it all depends on, on you know, what your flavor is for your slot defender and who you have. I mean, it depends differently on scheme, but it's almost like half your head has to be a cornerback and half your head has to be sort of a small linebacker. It's like you have to That's correct. A lot. So it's interesting. 
Uh, moving to safeties, and I think I think you'll agree, Dr. Cosell, because we talked about this yesterday, the designation between free, i.e. post, and strong, i.e. second-level depth linebacker or safeties, the free and strong thing, not really what it was. No. Uh, I was talking to Mike Smith, who was then the Falcons head coach at a combine. It must have been, I don't know, 11, 12 years ago. And he said the designation between those two positions will uh, become muddy and then die because it's a spacing league now on what you want are interchangeable safeties. And Mike Smith was exactly correct because that's where the league is going. And I think that's fair. And, and I think that's what teams are looking for. You don't want to get stuck, you know, with the idea that uh, only one sa- one safety can only play on the back end and one safety can only play closer to the line of scrimmage. Um, and, you know, I think you become very, very predictable defensively if that's the case. Um, you don't want that. Now, if you have unbelievably great personnel across the board, certainly like, yeah. I guess, the 2013 Seahawks would be the I was gonna example. I going to say, if you have Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, Earl Thomas for a five- or six-year period was as good a back-end post-safety as we've seen in the league. And yep. Cam Chancellor obviously was 6'4", 232 pounds. So he's, you know – he was not going to play very many snaps at all on the back end. And he didn't every once in a while they did just as a change up, but obviously again, not knowing percentages, but I would bet 90% of their snaps. Thomas was the, the post safety and chancellor was closer to the line of scrimmage. Yeah, they um, didn't flip that around a lot. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They didn't really do that. But I think in an ideal world in today's NFL, uh, you would like your safeties to be interchangeable. First of all, you're going to play a lot of that quarters look that we talked about, but you don't want to give the, the offense a tell. You don't want them to to know that, hey, you know, this guy's going to do one thing and this guy's going to do another thing. Plus, you want to be in a situation ideally, ideally, and this is hard, where either safety can match up man to man to the tight end because the tight end has become such a critical piece in the past game today. Uh, you know, you mentioned Travis Kelsey being an ex-ISO. I mean, obviously he's the best of the best, but there's many, many more tight ends and more and more coming into the league because of the nature of college football that are really receivers and, and they're detached split players as opposed mm-hmm. to attached players. And therefore you need safeties that can cover tight ends. Um, and, you know, I know you do this. I do this. That's one of the things you think about when you watch college safeties on tape. Oh, you think, yeah. okay, is this does this guy have the physical and athletic traits, no matter what he's asked to do in college, but does he have the physical and athletic traits to get to the NFL and match up man-to-man to quality receiving tight ends who are athletic and big? Well, and those three-by-one sets, it is exceedingly rare to see a, a safety come out of college that hasn't played, you know, 20, 30% of his snaps in the slot, at least. I, You know, I would say in today's NFL, if you're not Ed Reed or Earl Thomas in that back third, you would better be able to play some slot, too, because Correct. teams need that. And that's part of the, you know, the shifts and switches. You may be up in too deep, but you're really sort of a, a post-slot defender, and that's where you're coming down. And, so and, that's not part of it. And you just... What you just said sparked something. It also has to do with the increase in offensive motion. How do you want your safeties to deal with that? You don't want to get stuck that, oh, my God, they're motioning, but we can't really adjust to anything or we can't communicate because we don't feel good about our safeties being able to do something. You know, you want your safeties to be able to make an adjustment if need be. And in order to do that, they have to be able to match up. Hey, there are times safeties match up man-to-man on wide receivers just the way it plays out. And, yep. of course, not every safety can do that, but you'd like your safeties to at least 
be somewhat athletic enough that if if they did that, they could they can do it for minimal snaps. I want to go back to uh, something we discussed yesterday: the, the matchup cornerbacks versus the one side guys. And I'm putting together my list of the top eleven cornerbacks in the NFL today. And the guys on my list, the honorable mentions, um, it was about half and half. So when we say matchup guys, that means they follow the number one guy wherever. Right. I was going off cornerbacks who played at least 15% on either side, whether it was outside or slot, as opposed to some guys, it's like, you know, 98% over here and, you know, very little over here. How important, I mean, how much of an attribute is it? Like if you're, if you're grading a cornerback in your head, if you're watching six games and he is a matchup guy versus a one side guy, how much does the matchup aspect raise his sort of internal grade in your mind? You know, I think that's probably case by case for this simple reason is very often that can be a philosophy. Um, You and I mentioned yesterday Sauce Gardner and Sauce Gardner last year played almost exclusively on the left side of the defense with DJ Reed playing on the right side. There were very, 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 very few occasions in which Sauce (laughs) Gardner actually matched up to a particular receiver. That hardly ever happened. And a lot of people think that he's a matchup corner and that he did that last year. That rarely ever happened. Now, that doesn't mean he's not capable of doing that. I think you and I would agree he's more than capable oh, yeah. of doing that. He's that, capable of whatever he wants. He's Right. It's not a question of he, he lacks a, a, the traits or a skill set to match up to quality wide receivers in the NFL. So it becomes a philosophy. Um, you know, obviously, Robert Sala and staff, and we'll see what they do this year. We don't know the answer to that. They have both corners back. They were a good defense a year ago, and Sauce Gardner played left corner. Reed played right corner. D.J. Reed, as you know, uh, was an overlooked player a year ago by a lot of people, certainly not by the teams they played against, but Reed had a really strong season. Um, And, you know, they may keep it exactly the same, and Gardner does not match up. As I said, that's no knock on his ability whatsoever. Um, You know, he was the boundary corner at the University of Cincinnati, and he played a ton of zero-man coverage at the University of Cincinnati. The safety was not even concerned about Sauce Gardner. They let him just play zero-man in college. So he's more than capable of playing man. They choose not to do it. So in response to your question, I don't know if it colors my world, so to speak, Uh, a a reference there some may get or some may not get. Um, Team Terry Kath, I see you are. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's more a function of a philosophy and approach than it is, uh, you know, oh, this guy can or can't do it. Some guys can't, but there's there's probably a number of guys that can. Yeah, I don't think we're going to really uh, denigrate Sauce Gardner too much. He played 3% outside on the right side last season. I don't think we're going to hold that against Yeah, him. so that's a philosophy. I mean, I remember back in the day. When he was with Jacksonville, Jalen Ramsey was was a matchup corner, and then he got to the Rams, and they chose to play a different way. Uh, and Ramsey's a really, really good player, and now he's with a different team—a team that you know. My guess is they'll play a lot of. It, it won't be pure man in the sense we think of man because it's Vic Fangio, but it wouldn't surprise me if both Xavier Howard and Ramsey do match up on the outside. Uh, they're both capable of matching up to the better wideouts in the league, clearly. But I can remember Ramsey when he was in Jacksonville having great matchups with DeAndre Hopkins when he was in Houston. Oh, but, yeah. 
yeah, but I mean, obviously the Rams played a different style of defense and and actually uh, won a couple of Super Bowls, uh, you know, playing. Well, they won one with Ramsey playing that way. Yep, and uh, I hope I'm getting this guy's name right. Kader Kohu, uh, underrated guy. He, he could be a slot. Yeah, he played a lot of slot for Miami yeah. this bad year, past year, yeah. Very good player. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Greg. If you were, to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two corners, a slot defender, and two safeties. You can build your perfect secondary. Oh boy, who are the guys you're taking? Just off the <laughs> now I have to start thinking about the teams. <laughs> it, 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 it's the middle of June, and I have to start thinking about the teams. Um, well, outside corners. I mean, is Sertan one of them? What's that? Is Sertan one of them? Sertan, I've spoken to it. You know, if I had to pick, you know, corners that are younger and that are, I think, are I, I you, Sertan would be one. I spoke to a couple of people who think he's the best corner in football. Um, you know, Gardner would be right there as well because I love the length. I love the movement. Um, I think he can do anything at the corner position. Um, safeties. God, I, I'm just going to turn around here to look at the teams if that's okay. Of I course. Got them, I got them on my board here. Um Safeties. Wow. Uh, well, I just did my top 11 safeties, so I'll give you a few names. How about that? Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay. What's that? Minka Fitzpatrick of the Steelers. Really good player, and I think he can do anything too because Minka yeah. Fitzpatrick has done anything. He can certainly play on the back end and be a great post safety. He has – my guess is Minka Fitzpatrick has a great feel for receiver splits, receiver yeah. – um, uh, to use one of your favorite terms that you always like when I said, I think he has a great feel for receiver or distribution and location. Yes. I think he understands routes based on that. He can play on the back end exceedingly well. We know he can play slot corner if he has to. He certainly can play down in the box. He's physical. He's aggressive. He's competitive. I mean, he's to me, he's a complete safety. Uh, Quandre Diggs, I've got yeah, Diggs uh, plays almost exclusively on the back end over 2,000 snaps in the last two years at, at, at post. So, yeah, so I mean, he's a post safety, so yeah. I think he's a really good player. Um, I don't know because he's he plays solely that. If if I put him in that category, I mean, I think the the Buffalo guys probably are asked to do more than Quandre Diggs, Micah Hyde, and, and Jordan Poyer. Um, you know, they're interchangeable. We spoke about interchangeable safeties. They're clearly interchangeable. Um, you know, I know I'm missing some for sure. Uh, Gardner Johnson. We've got Tyron Matthew. We've got uh, Javon Holland. Now, Javon Holland. Javon Holland is a fascinating player. Yes. Because... And it'll be interesting to see how his role changes this year. Thank you. Miami played a ton um, of single high. But they also most in the NFL. Is that that's the number? Yep, sixty-four percent okay. most in the NFL. They but also played man coverage thirty-five percent of the time, which was the sixth highest rate. They played thirty-five percent of the time, which ranked second. So, as the team's primary free safety, he was on his own island a lot of the time. Now Vic Fangio comes in, right? But the and- other thing too is Miami also was blitzed a lot and played a lot with six, seven people on the line of scrimmage, and he often was one of those people. Yes. Now this is that was under Josh Boyer. The defense will be different this year. Um, but Javon Holland to me is—I don't want to say he's quite Minka Fitzpatrick because I think Minka Fitzpatrick just has a feel for seeing things at a really high level. I, I, I don't know if I'd say that about Javon Holland yet, but I think he's really, really good. 
and I think he could end up being a special, special player. I'm curious how he's deployed in Vic's defense because I think that that Holland, he's got size, he's got movement, he's smart, he's savvy. I, I think he can become a great safety. Yeah, I think if there's one guy I think could have a big, big uptick this year, it's him. And I think that might be fair. But I think until we see exactly what Vic does, because I don't know. Look, Vic's been coaching a long time. I can't think of every team he's been with. So I I don't want someone to say to me, oh, you're wrong. I could well be wrong about what I'm going to say. But, you know, I can't remember recently Vic having two corners in Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard who you could feel very comfortable saying, hey, play man coverage and we're good to go. Yeah. That's that's different. I uh, want to finish with something that we've also seen a lot of uh, with most teams. Uh, the Bills had three examples of it last year. Uh, the Niners led the league with over 650s. Big nickel. And oh, this, yeah. This got on my radar with the Patriots uh, a few years back because they were doing it a lot. The Niners did it a ton with their safeties because they had, you know, the, the last Jimmy Ward of the Texans, but they got uh, Jair Brown, so they can probably do more of that. But what is big nickel and why does that matter in today's NFL? Yeah, big nickel is when a team plays, uh, instead of playing with three corners as their nickel defense, they play with three safeties as their nickel defense. So they replace a, a slot corner in a sense where they another safety and we call that big nickel. So it's still five defensive backs on the field, but it's three safeties and two outside corners. Um, very often teams will play that now as their base, almost their base defense. Uh, the Cowboys last year, I, I don't think the Cowboys had more than five or 6% of their defensive snaps with three linebackers on the field. They played big nickel as their base defense. And they were one of a, they were one of three teams, the Niners, the Ravens, and the Cowboys had over 600 snaps with three safeties on the field last year. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, teams do that now because of um, uh, tight ends. You want to be able to match up to tight ends for sure in the pass game, but it also you feel better in the run game with a bigger defender. I mean, the Cowboys use J. Ron Curse in that role. He's 6'4", 220. Obviously, a whole lot bigger than a slot corner might be. Um, and, you know, those guys have become kind of hybrid safety linebackers in the way they're deployed in the context of a, of a defensive alignment. So a lot more teams are going to that. The Patriots, you know, Bill Belichick's done that for years, playing with three safeties. So it's just a way to get a bigger player out there because it helps you in the pass, in your pass defense with the the tight ends that are out there today. Um and I mean, look, if you're playing the Chiefs, even if the Chiefs line up in 12 personnel, which, by the way, the Chiefs were among the league leaders a year ago in 12 personnel. which a lot And they of ran more 13 than anybody. Which That is know. correct. So in terms of playing with multiple tight ends, the Chiefs, I think, had the highest percentage of any team in the league, which was probably 40 percent, give or take. And, um, you know. But still, one of those guys is Travis Kelsey. So you're not real comfortable with Travis Kelsey matched, you know, if, you, if you're playing against him with a linebacker. Uh, so you probably feel a lot better playing big nickel and at least have a safety match up to him. Then you have half a chance. Well, Greg, or a third, a third of a chance, or maybe a quarter of a chance, depending on how, you know. Kelsey ate his Wheaties. Well, Greg, as always, great stuff. We have built sort of our perfect secondary this week. And we'll be back uh, next week to talk more X's and O's with the man, the myth, the legend, Greg Cosell. Thank you very much. Thanks, Doug.